Welcome to another episode of Into the Remote Podcast, the show where we explore the new ways of working and exciting new future of work. Glad to have you with us again. Matus, welcome. You're right. Thank you for having me. Welcome to our Into the Remote Podcast. And I cannot imagine a better person to have for today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking about how to build a company culture from scratch. And Matush, we've known each other for quite a few years. We were colleagues at Slido, where you were ahead of people for about five years. And now you are with uh, Powerful Medical, and we're going to be talking about that. So once again, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Cool. So let's dive right in. And uh, culture is... Uh, is an interesting thing, right? Everybody loves to talk about it. And in early in early days, culture is very often defined by the CEO and the founders, early employees. But things get a little bit more difficult and complicated once the size of the team exceeds, let's say, 30 to 40 people. And with Powerful Medical, you are somewhere beyond that point. Yeah. So the first question is, how do you scale culture in a fast growing team yeah and maybe to start like usually what happens at the very beginnings is that really like the culture is set by the ceo by the founders and usually what happens there's this kind of parent child effect and i can say because i now have like a three-year-old child another on the way and what happens is that those children try try to mimic you in everything what you do both good and bad and that's a very similar thing what actually happens also in, in, in companies and in startups is that when more and more people are joining the team, they actually look up to the CEO, they look up to the founders and basically mimic their, their behavior, the way how they talk to clients, how they make decisions. This is something that, that actually is happening there. So uh, as we need to pay uh, attention to us as parents, we also need to do that. So in, in companies, to your question, like how to scale culture, um, it's a billion dollar question probably so probably not like a silver lining like do this and you'll just be fine but from my experience i think there are like three things that that kind of work um and the first one is that um you should define the culture and actually 30 40 maybe maybe uh, a bit too early but i would say that maybe around 50 to 60 people that's actually a good time to really like codify the culture like who you are um, we had Slido, for instance, we had it that the, the values were set right from the very beginning. I think there was this kind of flip chart from the time where Absolutely. there were like four or five people in, yeah. the, in the office, which actually not much of companies actually have and, and paid that much attention to it. Um, but really, like once you're already like 50, 60 people, it's really good to kind of codify the culture, who you are, um, what is important, what is important for you. Second is actually hiring. I think that's the, the most important thing which you can do is actually hire people i wouldn't say who are like fit into your culture because that culture will somehow evolve but who are fit into your values so that you know that the that the people uh, are in some ways same thinking and have the same kind of behaviors and and, and values but then again will enhance the culture uh, in, in some ways because culture will change like it's not set in stone as you evolve as the company grows it will, it will, it will evolve and the, and the third, uh, which is maybe like a bit philosophical, is to kind of live those values. And that maybe comes to, <clears throat> comes to what I mentioned at the very beginning, is that the culture needs to come at the very beginning, most importantly, from the, from the CEO, from the founders. And that's very important that those people actually live those values in the day-to-day -day life. Those values get appreciated, celebrated. You make sure that, uh, that people receive feedback based on if they actually live those values or they do 
uh, make decisions based on their values, or actually they receive negative feedback if, if actually some behavior is actually mm-hmm. not in line with, with the values. Got it. I would like to elaborate on that point, a very interesting point that you made earlier about children mimicking their parents, right? And um, if you have a small team of early employees or co-founders, they mimic each other or they yeah. mimic their leader. But again, there is this threshold, whether it's 30 to 60 people that we discussed, um, you might not be in touch with the CEO or founders so so closely, right? Yeah. And that's actually the problem where it arises that you don't see that CEO on the on day-to-day basis because usually uh, those people interact on a day-to-day basis. They see or interact with the CEO all the time. But at that certain size, it's no longer there. Exactly. So how do you how do you scale it, right? I would like to dig deeper over here. Yeah. So you've got a team of 50 plus people, yeah. let's say 80% of them are not interacting with the CEO yeah. anymore on a daily basis. How do you scale it? How do you make sure that it cascades uh, to, to to other levels? Yeah. So for instance, what we what we did in Slido, I think was very, very important is that really like the founders set the really like strong foundation for the culture and for the values that was there. But then it became tricky at, at, at that certain certain size of the company. And going back to those three things that I mentioned, like the first thing is to kind of codify the culture. So what we did was that, yes, we had those those three values that people somehow would remember. Um, but we kind of made this document like w- who we are. Uh, we kind of expanded on those values and uh, we drafted of what it actually means um, uh, to live those three those three values. And I think this is some, something important. I mean, there are famous examples of Netflix uh, building their culture right. code, which many people Absolutely. regarded as one of the most important documents, which was which was created in Silicon Valley and so on. And many other companies have this, have this, uh, have this guidebooks, employee handbooks that are basically handed over to new employees during their onboarding and so on. Um, so this is really important, I think. And really for the founders, it can be tricky and difficult to kind of talk about the things all over, all over again. But I think this is actually the one of the things that you should actually stress and mention during your all hands meetings, during your, uh, during your, your offsites, and basically during the times where the company gathers around uh, to actually meet together, but also really like to highlight the behaviors that support the culture, saying and giving a shout out, hey, you're right here, just um, uh, held a meeting with the customer and this is the behavior that, that he or she presented. And I think this is actually in line with the value. So really give them like a, like a kudos or something like that. So people know that, oh, okay, so if I behave this certain way, that is actually- appreciated. Uh, appreciate mm-hmm. because the values should actually reflect a way that okay, if I do, if I behave in this behavior, this is how we as a company will become successful. And again, you touched on an interesting point over here. So, culture should be lived, shouldn't yeah. be just documented, codified, or whether whatever we call it. Uh, so, how do you build those rituals when there are none? Yeah, and th- that's actually the problem that. At this moment, all of companies have uh, their uh, their values or like who we are somewhere written. Unfortunately, in most of those companies, it's just some kind of like golden letters, you know, just written on top right. of the reception. And unfortunately, it just stays there. So it's really important to kind of live those 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 values on, on a day to day life. And again, coming back to the parent child uh, kind of example is that number one thing what you can do is really as a leader live by example and the values actually come from you like all the companies actually they already have the values even if they haven't like codified them like values are not something like 
okay, this is something what I would want to be or, or, or this, like it should be, like they should be aspirational in, in some way. Like we don't need to be 100% in, in, in all of them. Um, but I would say that the values are already there. Like every company has their values. It comes from the founders, from the early team members. So really just, so, so for them it comes natural. Like this is the way how we operate. This is the way how we work. Uh, this is the way how we give each other feedback, how we make decisions on the product and so on. So they should come naturally. So it's important really that, that you, you live them as the founder. And by that, it basically gets, uh, gets basically transcended to the, to the next level. And to be specific then like really to, to then hire the people, um, that, you know, will be fit into the, into, into those values. So um, obviously we'll need to look for people who are also like from a skill base, um, like mm -hmm. fit into your company for those specific roles, because obviously you have some kind of business need um where where you have a gap so we need to hire somebody for that but i would say that the ticket to entry should be actually those those kind of fit into the values and one thing is hiring the people which are fit into your culture uh but it goes hand in hand with actually saying goodbye to people that might not be fit into the into the into the values which obviously you can have and i would suggest and um advise everyone to have a really like a high bar when it comes to hiring like really not to go below, even though you have that need and, and the business requires to have that role filled as soon as mm -hmm. possible, but really don't go below the bar. Mm -hmm. it, it never pays off. And even even from our experiences, it, it was that we were kind of unsure about a, a person, but we really needed that role to be filled. So we made a decision to hire them. And after a couple of weeks, after a couple of months, we actually had to say goodbye and and the time and every energy and resources it took obviously were were way much more than if we would be waiting. But then again, like companies maybe sometimes are hesitant to pull the plug on, on people who are possibly like great performers, but are not in line with the culture. And that's something that will yeah. even more importantly in that small team, it will just like corrupt the whole, the whole environment. So actually just to sum it up, um, what, what, what you said. So hiring the, the like-minded people or the people with the right values mm. uh, or with matching values is important. Then leading by example. Uh, and then third, appreciating publicly all those small gestures and the, the lived values and encouraging yeah. the And making small, small things like, okay, so we actually decided to introduce this new feature because we believe that it will do this or that. And, and we believe, and maybe say that this like out loud, like, and it's in line with this or that value that, that we have here. Got it. Or we're actually doing this kind of initiative because this or that value. And again, for the founders, they might be already sick of it because sure. like, okay, we're mentioning all the time, but honestly, you can, like for me, values, culture, some of the things that you can Absolutely. never mention enough. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned the importance of documenting and codifying culture. Um, I see this more important even now with the remote teams mm. when you know, other employees and people don't get the chance to mimic that behavior, yeah. coming back to your earlier point. What's your take on that? So super important, like when it comes to remote people who, and this will come a challenge that they won't see the uh, the founding team on a day-to-day -day base, or they, they maybe won't see them for the first couple of months whatsoever to really have, get the chance to experience experience the, the culture. So what we did in Slido, what we're actually doing now in Power for Medical as well is that we try to fly everyone to the headquarters for their actually first first couple of days in the in the in the office, 
so that a, they get a chance to experience the culture firsthand. So even though they will be working remotely, they will, be, they will maybe have zero contact with like, physical contact with other team members, they will at least have that experience at the very, very beginning of their, of their employment um, to experience the people and everything. Uh, another thing what we did is that, and again, both in Slido, both in Powerful Medical, is that we have actually a session about who we are, about the history of, of the company, about the culture, like how, why we are actually doing the things which we are doing, because I think it's very important to kind of get this understanding of the why at the very beginning of your, of your experience, because then you can somehow connect the dots and see that, okay, now I see why our CEO made this decision maybe some years back, and uh, okay, that actually inspires me to do Right. Similar. So flying people from all across Europe or world is actually not an expense, but investment in, in it's the team. A, it's a huge, it's a huge expense. But again, learning from our experiences, I totally can recall some examples of when we actually didn't do this. So we didn't flew the, flew the people because of some limitations right. or they had to already start working, which is usually the case. And that's going to be the pushback from the business that, okay, come on, I, I can't give you give you the person for like an onboarding for like a week or two. I really need them to start working right away. You want to rush it, right? This happened to us numerous times. And actually I can really point to those examples that we see, we, we have seen it then after one or two months that the person mm -hmm. was lacking something. And it's very tough to kind of catch up on those kind of culture things. Once the person is mm -hmm. already like inside the work and already hustling on, on the projects or, or, or whatever, but really as you said, it's it's an it's an expense, and obviously it is an expense of flying, hotels, whatever logistics, right. both in terms of money, but in terms of of of, of timing. Uh, usually, when somebody needs somebody, it's like okay, like yesterday was already too late. Um, but it's a huge investment. And it's, it pays it, off. It, it, it's a huge things, yeah, that, that it pays off. Got it. So, what is your current remote setup at Powerful? How would you describe you know the environment you work with? Are you fully high? Are you are you fully remote? Are you hybrid? What is it? So currently, w I would say that we have a strong presence in our headquarters in Slovakia, where the majority team, uh, majority of the team is mm -hmm. based. Then about like a quarter of the company is actually remote. Yeah. And most of those people are just single people based in those locations. Most of them are actually uh, people from the commercial team, so salespeople. But also we have a couple of uh, engineering, so tech, tech people uh, distributed. And for me, it's something that is inevitable. Like, it's not like we made the decision to, okay, let's go remote. I believe that it's inevitable, both in terms of that you need to be able to be present in, in various countries to be able to, to address those markets. Um, so business decision that you want to be there, and obviously you won't hire five people in the same location out of, out of once. Like, usually you will start with one or two people. And the second is uh, the talent uh, scarcity. Like. Honestly, um, if you're based in one location, then 99% of the global town is not based in that location or is not planning to be actually relocated to that location. So I believe that remote work in today's world, uh, world is inevitable. And obviously we, as a young company, as we were not founded as a remote first company, because there are also companies who do this, that right from the beginning, we are remote first. We, even if we are on the same location, we, uh, we work from, we work either from home, cafes, uh, co-working spaces or whatever. Um, but this was not the case. In Powerful Medical, it was the case, and also actually similar to Slido, there was a people- In, in early years. In early Slido. years, it was exactly, it was that a bunch of people who already knew themselves from previous yeah. projects were there actually sitting in one room. Um, 
which at the end of the day actually makes it complicated because then you need to make the shift from actually for everyone being basically in the same room, meaning that internal communication happens that, hey, you're right, what do you think about this? You exactly. just turn on one chair and that's internal communication to the setup that, okay, actually there's not all of us are sitting in the same room. So you, w if we make a decision or anything like that, then obviously um, that needs to be communicated to the other people. Well, I experienced the setup. We called it like a remote friendly yeah. and uh, we worked in a very similar fashion in the early years. Yeah. Uh, 80% of people were located in the HQ and yeah. roughly 20% globally. And it had its own challenges, right? So, uh, and Matus, you just said that you are hiring both locally as well as globally. How do you make sure that you are not creating two different types of experiences yeah. for your employees? It's a tough one. And... Um I don't think you can be like 100% um, like that it's going to be like the same experience and everything. Like there are going to be nuances which unfortunately cannot be replicable. Then again, uh, what I'm already thinking and kind of working strongly is that those remote people won't become like second citizens in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. So that, and this comes to anything that you do basically when it comes to how you run meetings, um, how the compensation is built up or like if you have some kind of benefits that only people in the headquarters can can actually use. Uh, but I really, what I what I try to do, and again, like in Powerful Medical, definitely we have a long way to go, um, but already have this to keep them in mind and, 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 and basically build these things from scratch, making sure that you keep those remote people in mind uh, because we know that as we grow, actually the, the percentage of people working remotely or basically outside of our like central offices will be actually bigger and higher. Mm -hmm. And I think internal communication is difficult in particular. And yeah. you just mentioned an example. You just turn to your colleague yeah. and you ask them a question. Yeah. How do you tackle this challenge at Powerful Medical? I mean, internal communication, knowledge base. Yeah. How do you make sure that people have yeah. equal access yeah. to information that are critical for yeah. their jobs? Yeah, I believe that COVID has taught us a lot that things that we thought that couldn't be done previously are actually possible mm -hmm. because again, it was just necessity because that was the situation. Um, I believe that in all the aspects, and this also comes to like leadership in, in general, you be you need to be way much more deliberate in those things. Intentional, right? Intentional, mm -hmm. exactly. So meaning if internal communication when everybody was in the same room just happened, when it comes to having people remotely, you need to actually think about it and you mm -hmm. need to be like, okay, so what does it mean that we are having an all hands meeting and not everyone will be in the same room? What does it mean basically if mm -hmm. somebody is connecting from, from the UK, from Germany, as, as actually that's our case at the moment, and somebody needs to actually take care of it and, and think about it. When you're 30, 40 people, usually that's the time when you hire your first uh, people person. Uh, usually then it's their responsibility, but even sooner, somebody needs to be there like to, to be the kind of champion of the, of the remote people. So that's one thing. Um, also when it comes to like knowledge base and everything, um, in Powerful Medical, we have a big advantage because we are uh, a healthcare startup mm -hmm. and um, we are in a highly regulated environment. So actually the regulation in this is actually a positive thing because it somehow pushes us to document everything, what, mm -hmm. we, what we do. What it means is that all um, things related to engineering, to product, but also when it comes to internal operations need to be documented, which actually is then by design, remote friendly, because obviously uh, people, we use Notion, for instance, and 
honestly, I haven't seen such an ocean in my life where mm-hmm. we have Empower for Medical. And we're a company of 50 people. And early stage startup, and the notion which we have is out of the world, like mm-hmm. organized information there, like linked through through various tools, like it blew my mind when, I, when, I, when I've seen it. And honestly, this, and it was unintentionally done, but it mm-hmm. really helps when it comes to now, uh, when, when we're becoming more and more remote, uh, because those people then can really like find the, the, those information and become the single point of truth. And, and basically all the things that are happening in the company are then referenced, for instance, to, to Notion, and uh, it helps tremendously in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Do you see a correlation between scaling the culture and documenting things? Do you see that there is a, there is a link between the two? I think it helps tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I mean, when you're a small team, I mean, you really don't bother usually of actually writing down like who we are, uh, but, but actually like when you lose touch with the people, meaning like you as the CEO or the founder don't have a day-to-day contact with those people, then actually you need to put it somewhere where those people can actually look for it and, 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 and have that um, understanding of that. So mm-hmm. really like, what we did, like very practically, we actually built a slides deck about it, where it actually we, we went deeper. And that slides deck was then uploaded to our kind of internal wiki. And for instance, in Power of Medical, it's that Notion page Got where it. people can, can actually go through it. And we recommend uh, people as part of the onboarding. So actually everybody has a, has a uh, goes, goes for it. They go through all that information that is stored in that single source of truth. Exactly, uh, exactly. exactly. And it it has like steps, okay? So like during this session, you look at this, videos and everything, and it's basically stored over there. Well, documentation is a synchronous communication to a large extent. Let's talk now about synchronous communication, meaning meetings. What role do meetings play in keeping the culture alive Mm -hmm. from your perspective? Mm -hmm. Are there a friend or a foe? Um, can be both, obviously. I think it's like, it can be a huge, um, and it, it, it is a huge uh, friend in, in a way that you can use it to, to scale and expand the culture because meetings are the place where actually multiple people meet. And I believe that then that's somehow where the culture can be reinforced, where, where you have a chance. And I would really strongly encourage companies to have regular meetings for all, uh, for all their people. Uh, having regular all hands meetings, uh, I would suggest to go for like a regular cadence every month. Worked for 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 many of the companies that I worked for, and um, basically having a meeting where you kind of look back, and then kind of align everyone for the for 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 the future, and especially when it comes to uh, remote people, making them actually remote friendly in a way that people can join, um, can have a voice in those meetings. So it's not that hey, everyone in the room, but also like, hey, welcoming people uh, remotely, mm-hmm. uh, giving them a chance to voice any questions or if you're asking some some questions to the audience, uh, so, so towards that. But also when it comes to having regular offsites, some companies have it like um, once, twice a year. And again, it's a huge investment if you would want to fly everyone to the same location. Absolutely. But I would say in a company under 100, under 100 people, it's a no-brainer of doing it. Like again, like this is something which people get connected and, and where the culture can be lived and expanded. And even for people who had no chance of interacting with people, um, like it, it helped us so much in the previous expen- experiences. And also in Power for Medical, we had one in May. Like for us, it was, we then lived with it and, mm-hmm. and from the experiences there for, for months uh, o- onwards. And um, 
yeah, so a huge, huge fan of of of, of these uh, these kind of connecting uh, people during all hands is offsites and so on. Awesome. In the previous podcast, we had uh, Peter Fabor from Surfoffice, and mm-hmm. uh, he organized over four hundred wow. company retreats for uh, remote companies. And <coughs> you know, he's a huge advocate of yeah. meeting in person. And very often, in such a case, um, he he's a huge proponent of socializing activities over yeah. you know discussing strategy and stuff like that. Yeah. That can be. That can be uh, done over over email, Slack, or whatever uh, over Zoom. But that connection that comes from yeah. human to human—that's very, very unique. Because I think what what I think it happened also during COVID actually f- that what many people said is that many of the jobs that they had became just a job, right? Without that kind of connection, without that kind Absolutely. of culture element. Because at the end of the day, what culture does is I think it am- amplifies the things what you do, like if you can do like a certain um, output of yours with the culture that can be actually double, tripled in a way because you bring yourself and your your whole self into it and, and the enthusiasm and everything. Without that, it kind of lacks the, mm-hmm. the, the energy, the spirit and everything. And um, yeah, it can somehow becomes just a job. Got it. So offsites, all hands meetings are critical. Yeah. What about meetings that happen on a regular basis, Mm. let's say on a weekly basis. Uh, Do you think it's important that leaders create space and create meetings that that revolve solely around informal communication and socializing to enforce that culture? So this is again, like what I think happened during COVID is that at the big, like people didn't need to kind of pay more attention to this, like be deliberate about it, because those in kind of informal chats happened in the corridors and in, in the kitchen while while drinking coffee or whatever. But in during COVID, it was for all people around the world. Uh, for remote companies, that was just basically the case is how they operate. So yeah, exactly. Like people, and again, like coming back to the thought, you need to pay more and extra attention to make sure that there's also this kind of social part of it, that it's not just kind of work, work, work but it's also this kind of human element in this. And actually there are numerous research researches done behind and, and, and researches that, that back, back this uh, by, by data that actually companies um, and teams where there is also this kind of human and, and, and culture element present, they actually outperform teams that are mm-hmm. only there, like come there, you know, put on my headphones and, and start working and then, you know, that that's that's it. But also when there is this kind of interaction and everything, um, I'm a strong believer in this, yeah. Got it. So we were talking about knowledge base. We're talking about uh, meetings. What about those chat platforms, such mm-hmm. as or communication platforms in general, such as Slack? At Slido, we had the special, you know, Slack channels dedicated to to, to certain certain areas of our culture. For yeah. example, we had a we had a channel uh, labeled "Thank You," where the team could give a shout out to yeah. people who went an extra mile. Yeah and appreciate their hard work. Or we had that random channel yeah. where we posted all sorts of memes and everybody was laughing. It was the number one channel for the whole company. And those were the places where you our- You can see that people actually check out the messages sooner on, 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 on random than on general. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So those were the places on Slack where our culture was lived. Yeah. What about Powerful Medical? Do you have any Slack channels where your culture is lived? Yeah, and I think like a thank you channel, which we also have is, is a nice example because then you can actually appreciate the things that are in line with your 
culture. And I mean, we as human beings, we as human beings, we want to be appreciated. So it actually triggers this, obviously this, this sense in your brain that, oh, wow, if I got appreciated for this, obviously I'm going to do it next time. And if I seen that somebody else was appreciated for something like this, I'm going to probably follow the example, right? So, I mean, it's common sense. Um, and yeah, like Slack is, is a huge enabler in this because yes, like you have some, some stories lived and then uh, an emoji is created out of a story. So even if you weren't part of that, um, you can then ask, so, okay, so can you give me some, 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 uh, some story behind, like behind this kind of, uh, custom made emoji. And that's where the stories and everything is again, relived and maybe not so important when there's 20, 30 of you, because everybody knows about everything. But again, as your team grows, as your team scales, as you become more remote, um, this becomes even more and more important. Mm -hmm. Then again, it can also be like, you will need to, um, for instance, we have this, uh, this channel, which is around like um, uh, exercising and so on. And for some people, it can be a kind of like a fear of missing out in a way, because obviously people go after work to, right. to hang out together. And uh, that's something what, what was happening, I, I believe in Slido in a way that um, there were many activities done around the headquarters, around the, the, the main office. And obviously people outside were just seeing posts and some photos on Slack and we're like, well, I'm a bit like sad that I can't be part of it. So, so how do you tackle this challenge? <clears throat> um, so again, when thinking about the activities, I mean, I wouldn't say that scrape all the activities where the remote people can't join, but actually pay special attention to, to make activities that also remote people can join in. And um, possibly what we started doing is that we actually started having offsites for specific teams that were, mm -hmm. for instance, remote, that they had an, an offsite just for themselves. Or you can actually have an extra budget of, for, for some activities that they can, they can do that if you order some food for your for your main office um, because that's so easy to do then to have some kind of budget or allowance for people who are remote that hey they can they can order some kind of takeaway and actually then join in the the party or something something like that actually it was one of my most favorite gestures mm -hmm. that slido did for 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 us as employees yeah whether for um those 20 percent that were working remotely that they were reimbursed yeah you know that pizza or whatever sushi yeah. that you ordered on a company's expense or later on when we worked uh, in a fully remote setup and we had a fully remote, let's say offsite or yeah. all hands. And then uh, Peter, our CEO, and 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 he just like uh, let us know that, okay, go ahead and just order something up to a certain yeah. amount. Yeah. I think it was a really, really nice gesture. And uh, I think these rather small gestures can go really a long yeah. way, especially uh, showing the remote employees and remote team members that, okay, you are appreciated. We see you, we hear you yeah. and we think of you. And it can be like small things like company merch, like sure. obviously it arrives in the office. So you hand it out to, to people who are there, but then you need to think about those people that aren't there and actually go ahead and, and actually send it to them. And I received then tons of messages of like, wow, that's amazing. It just arrived in, in the, in the mail. And actually nowadays receiving something physical from, from that it's, it's amazing. Cool. Well, second to last question, Matusz, for you. Um, culture is very much a thing that is alive, right? How do you how do you measure it? In other words, 
do you use any employee bar barometers yeah. on a regular basis at yeah. Powerful Medical? And if so, how do you work with them? Yeah, sure. Um, maybe to the, to the question that you just just mentioned before regarding that the culture evolves. This is something which you really need to need to kind of have in your mind and basically set your expectations right that the culture will eventually change because this is something that might uh, disturb the maybe the early team members that you will hear those logs. It's, it's not how it was in the early days and so on. But yeah, like the culture will evolve. That's that's a natural, natural state. And uh, it evolves because we are growing as a company. We want to be successful. We want to offer the product to more people, to more clients. Therefore, right. we need, need more employees. So the culture will, will evolve. It's not set in stone. Um, but your question, yes. So um, what we do is we do actually regular um, employee surveys. How we, often? We do every second month. We do okay. like a short pulse check. Okay. Um, it has five to six uh, rating questions where I have like most important things which are important for me, meaning for meaning like how do you feel, um, how is the workload, how um, if that person feels important part of as an important part of the team, um, if they're learning, uh, if they see that they're growing as as, as individuals as professionals, and and um, and most importantly, I ask the. Uh, EMPS, the Employee Net Promoter Score question of how likely are you to recommend Powerful Medical as mm -hmm. an employer. Um, so we measure this on a, on a bi-monthly monthly cadence. Also, I have there one open question of like, if you can change one thing, um, what would it be? What would make your, your, your life at Powerful Medical easier? Um, and then uh, every six months, I send out a longer barometer which um, has more questions. Usually the pulse check, you can fill it out in like three, four minutes. Uh, the barometer is a longer one, maybe like 15 minutes. And that's something that where I go deeper from which I actually take, okay, so these are the main things that we need to work on as the people team, as the company, as the leaders. Um, so that creates then the roadmap for, for, for us. The pulse checks are, as mm -hmm. it comes from the name, just to monitor if the pulse of the company is okay and if we're going the right direction or we need to kind of do some steering. You just mentioned the roadmap. How do you work with these results afterwards? So we obviously evaluated, we see, we compared to previous results, we have some benchmarks of where we are aiming. We see what, like, just looking at and analyzing, you see like, okay, this is somewhere where we dropped or this is somewhere where we, where we actually made some progress. So based on that, you should actually set some kind of results, set yourself some goals in, in the direction because maybe out of that it will come that okay we actually need to work on our compensation maybe we need to work on our hiring so it really sets the direction of what the what the people team leadership company should 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 work on but what's very important for me is also the kind of open text questions so uh again from the pulse check i usually ask one or two open uh open-ended questions in the barometer barometer i'm asking multiple ones and from there, I analyze it, look look for patterns, try to group those 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 questions. And if I see that there's some issues with misalignment, that it comes that okay, I'm not clear on the strategy or we're up to as a company. Okay, this is something that we we need to start thinking about. And actually, it comes with a remote possibly, like how to. And again, I also try to make sure that I understand from where it's coming from. Again, depends on the on the size of the company. Like when there's 30 of you, you probably need don't need to do that, but maybe from like 50, 60 people, you can actually then ask questions like, in what region are you based? Or, or what, what, what is the function of your team? So you can see that, okay, this is actually coming from the remote people that they're having, the, they're having this kind of common, common issues. 
I probably should address them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You might want to segment the the insights yeah. based on a certain categories. I wouldn't overkill it. Sure. Overkill it from the very beginning. Then again, it's your question if you want to do it anonymous or if you actually want them people to sign in. When doing anonymous, obviously, when you have one person working right. remotely and they choose well working remotely, well, yeah. go fish. Who, yeah. Who these, that yeah, these strategies they they both have their pros and cons. So common sense is important. Absolutely. Uh, a very quick question: What tool are you using to run your pulse checks? And we're using simple Google. Google spreadsheets, yeah. Google, Google Forms. Google Forms. Yeah. Okay. And then import it to Google Sheets. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Got it. And the very last question. Well, culture and the company culture is a, such a huge topic. And yeah. Matush, I know that you are an avid reader and you create your top books for each year. So I would like to ask you the last question, which is what are your top three books on culture that you've read? Top three ones. It will be a tough one, uh, but if anybody would want to discuss, feel free to reach out. Um, happy to discuss this topic. It's uh, it's my it's it's uh, it's my favorite one. Um, one of the first books I read uh, was actually uh, "Delivering Happiness" by Tony Shai. Yeah. Um, and they had a very special uh, culture um, in, Zappos. in Zappos, exactly. And uh, it's a very open and honest book about about uh, company culture. Um, so I. That was one of the first ones I read on it, so it's it's dear to me. Um, second one is quite recent and really like it was rated one of the top business books and so on. I think it's uh, it was from from two years back from Reed Hastings from Netflix as regarded as one of the top company cultures high regarded in in, in many ways. Uh, so he wrote a book, No Rules Rules, about their culture of no rules and how it actually works. Um, so so it's very interesting because that's a good one. Uh, because obviously you cannot take it as it is and trying to implement it that never works in, in, in culture as such but I, th I believe there are many things uh, where people can get inspired and the third one um, it doesn't go exactly in, in, in company culture but I really like um, Black Box Thinking by Matthew Syed which is a book about how to create culture of feedback and what he said is that actually he compares there's, for instance, uh, the the aviatory um, and how we have actually um, very limited accidents when it comes to airplanes. And that's because when something doesn't go well, if somebody makes a mistake, they actually sunshine the mistake and they actually write reports on it. And that actually goes with remote culture that is being documented. It's being shared right. with pilots all over the world. And that's why actually then uh, that then aviation is one of the safest industries out there. Um, so that's a good one. That's Got it. Recommend. Matush, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and discuss culture and whatnot, how can they connect with you? They could probably th look me up on LinkedIn, send me a message. We'll be looking forward to having a chat or whatever. Matush, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Ray, again. Good luck with everything. Thanks.